Part 5, Chapter 10 First Consideration The Excellence of Our Soul Consider the nobility and excellence of your soul. It is endowed with understanding, which knows not only this visible world, but also that there are angels and a paradise. It knows that there is a God, most sovereign, most good, and most ineffable. It knows that there is an eternity, and knows also what manner is best designed for living well in this visible world, so that our soul may be joined with the angels in paradise and enjoy God for all eternity. Moreover, your soul has a most noble will, and that will can love God and cannot hate Him in Himself. Look into your heart, and behold how generous it is. As bees can never remain upon anything decayed but only among flowers, so also our heart finds rest solely in God, and no creature can ever satisfy it. Think deeply on the dearest and strongest affections that have filled your heart up to now, and judge truthfully whether they were not full of worry and unrest, tormenting thoughts and demanding cares, in the midst of which your poor heart was wretched. Our heart, alas, runs after creatures. It eagerly seeks them, thinking that they will satisfy its desires. As soon as it has obtained them, it sees that it is all to do over again and that nothing can satisfy it. God does not will that our heart should find a place of rest any more than did the dove that went out from Noah's ark, so that it may return to himself from whom it came. Ah, what natural beauty is there in our heart! Why then do we detain it against its will in the service of creatures? O beauteous soul, you must exclaim, since you can know and will God, why do you beguile yourself with any lesser thing? Since you can advance your claim to eternity, why should you beguile yourself with passing things? One of the prodigal son's regrets was that he might have lived in plenty at his father's table, whereas he had eaten filth among beasts. O oh, my soul, you are made for God. Woe to you if you are satisfied with anything less than God. Raise your soul aloft on this consideration. Remind it that it is eternal and worthy of eternity. Fill it with courage for this project. Part 5, Chapter 11 Second Consideration The Excellence of Virtue Reflect that in this world nothing but virtue and devotion can satisfy your soul. See how beautiful they are. Compare the virtues and their contrary vices. How sweet is patience when compared with revenge, meekness compared with anger and vexation, humility compared with arrogance and ambition, liberality compared with avarice, charity compared with envy, sobriety compared with dissipation. Virtues have the wonderful quality of delighting our soul with incomparable sweetness and fragrance after we have practiced them, whereas vices leave the soul infinitely weary and distraught. Courage, then, why do we not strive to gain such delights? With regard to vices, one who has only a few of them is not contented, and one who has too many of them is discontented. But as for virtues, even one who has only a little has some contentment, and this increases as the virtues themselves increase. O oh, devout life, how beautiful, lovely, sweet, and delightful you are! You lighten our tribulations and add sweetness to our consolations. Without you, good is evil, and pleasures are filled with unrest and trouble and deceit. 
Ah, a man who knew you well could cry out with the Samaritan woman, Domine damihi hagakwem, Lord, give me this water. An aspiration frequently made by Holy Mother Teresa and St. Catherine of Siena, although upon different occasions. Part 5, Chapter 12, Third Consideration, The Example of the Saints. Look at the example given by saints in every walk of life. There is nothing that they have not done in order to love God and be His devoted followers. See the martyrs, unconquerable in determination, what torments they suffered to keep their resolutions. Above all, behold their fair and flower-like women, whiter than lilies in purity, redder than the rose in charity, some of whom at twelve, others at thirteen, fifteen, twenty, and twenty-five years of age endured a thousand kinds of martyrdom, rather than break their resolution, both in their profession of faith and in their protestation of devotion. Some died rather than give up their virginity, others rather than cease from serving the afflicted, consoling the tormented, and burying the dead. O oh God, what constancy has been shown by this fragile sex in doing such deeds? Consider the throng of holy confessors. What strength they showed in their contempt of the world, how invincible they proved themselves in their resolutions. Nothing led them to break those vows in any way. They embraced them without reserve and practiced them unswervingly. My God, how wonderful are the things that St. Augustine tells about his mother Monica, and how steadfast was her resolution to serve God in both marriage and widowhood. How well St. Jerome speaks of his dear daughter Paula amid so many reverses and so many changing events. What might we not do if we look at such excellent patrons? They were what we are. They did this for the same God and for the same virtues. Why then should we not do as much according to our position and vocation in life to keep the cherished resolution and holy protestation that we have made?